so Kyle, it's yeah. basically reached a point now mm-hmm. where anytime my dad hears an interesting word, he sends it to me. <laughs> he sends it to you. <laughs> so you've just got a million words from your dad. Yeah. I mean, but it's great because it's like I don't have to look for words anymore. <laughs> So he's like a part of the process now at this point. He, yeah, we're going to have to start getting him on payroll. <laughs> on payroll. Should we get like, should we get him in on like our conversations? Like, should we have his input when we're recording? No, he can just be like a ghost writer kind of a situation. Just a ghost writer. He's going to write. Yeah. You should tell him, you know what, dad? Hey, listen, since you're like going this far, you might as well just write a whole document for me about one of the words. <laughs> <laughs> then I don't just... have to do any work. I could just <laughs> tell it to Kyle. That's that's going to be my plan moving forward. That's a real family affair, Emily. <laughs> Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. Every week on Butter No Parsnips, your hosts Kyle Imperator and Emily Moyers take you on an adventure through the weird, wacky, wonderful, and sometimes even wicked world of one wayside word. Strange characters, delightful bits, and general joyousness abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. Kyle, it's so great to be talking to you one more time. It is so great. One more time. One more time. No more times after that. (laughs) (laughs) This is the last time. You heard it here, folks. This is is the last episode of what, Kyle? This is the last episode of Butter No Parsnips. Congratulations. Probably not something we should advertise. This isn't the last episode. Not at all. Not at all. In fact... I don't know how many more episodes there's going to be. I guess until we die at this point. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah. I'm Kyle Imperator. I'm Emily Moyers. I don't think we've ever done full names, but all right. I just figured I'd do it. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Kyle, do you have uh, a word to talk Emily, about? I've got a word to talk about today. <gasps> That's so good, because I don't. That is bad, but we'll get to that <laughs> at a later time. <laughs> Emily, <laughs> the word for you today is smaragdin. Oh, God. Kyle? <laughs> yes. I mean, spell that. <laughs> smaragdin. S-M-A-R-A-G-D-I-N-E. Smaragdin. Yeah, that's what I was afraid you no. were going to spell. It can also be pronounced smaragdine, but it's more properly pronounced smaragdin. What about smaragdine, which is, I assume, the correct <laughs> Arabic pronunciation? I, yeah, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> That's al smaragdine. Al smaragdine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, boy, mm-hmm. I'm not even sure I can guess the part of speech. I guess I'm going to say it can be pronounced dine. Is it a noun or a verb? Uh, it's not a verb. It's mainly an adjective. Wow. But but it can be it can be used rarely as a noun. Okay. But an adjective mostly. Is it an adjective that is often applied to a specific noun where it kind of has like a particular use case? No. I mean there there are some like common things that it's been applied to over time, but there's no reason you couldn't apply it to more than that. <sighs> okay. okay. You're really floundering here, Emily. Uh, yeah, like <laughs> smaragdine. No, smaragdin. Smar- smaragdin. Smar- smaragdin is your made-up version <laughs> of the word. I really forgot that. Smarabadoobadoo. <laughs> I can't even believe it. Smar- smaragdin. 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 Okay. Smaragdin. Boy, I can't even you guess are- a language of origin either. 
I am at a loss here, Kyle. <laughs> Do you want me to just call it quits and end the podcast right now? <laughs> Turn oh, tell, off our microphones? Tell me the language of origin first, and then, okay. and then I'll make one stab in the dark. It's through Latin and to Greek, sure. but it probably goes back further than that. We don't exactly know. So that means it means something that people would have been talking about since the dawn of time. Yeah, it definitely so, isn't directly related to iPads. <laughs> <laughs> so I so think good on you. It's an adjective. It means similar to cave paintings. Oh my god, Emily. <gasps> how did you how did Oh my god. Oh my god, play the theme do music. Do I get to do we play the the I win music? <laughs> yeah, you got it. Oh my god, cave paintings. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> No. Oh, play the I lose music. (laughs) Emily, smaragdin means of or pertaining to emeralds or having the color of emeralds. Oh, the smaragdin city. Sure. Is that a thing? (laughs) Well, the emerald city. Oh, the smaragdin city. Honestly? (laughs) Yeah. Yes, exactly. Thank you, Emily. They should have called it that. It would have been more fun. Or more harrowing. <laughs> yeah, harrowing. So it also, as a noun, it can mean an emerald or a smaragd. A smaragd. Which is a smaragd, which is a synonym for an emerald. Oh, sure. Sure, right? That common word that everyone yeah. uses. Smaragd. Smaragd. It just rolls off the tongue. Sm- <laughs> smaragd. Smaragd. Smaragd is what smaragd. brings us together today. <laughs> Well, Emily, yeah, it's fun that you bring that up. I mean, he was oh, probably, well, not not necessarily, but I mean, he was probably, <laughs> you know, that, that film was probably around a time where they would have been using the word smaragd. So, really? Yeah. So smar- smaragdin is a very old, old, old word. So it, it comes from Middle English. Middle English got the word smaragd in the late 14th century. Okay. It came from the Latin smaragdinus. <gasps> Sorry, Smaragdinus. That's what it is. No, Smaragdinus is, I think, a dragon from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yes. Smaragdinus comes from the Latin word for emerald, meaning uh, which is Smaragdus. And that comes from the ancient Greek word Smaragdinos, meaning wow. of emerald, emerald green. But they're talking about the gemstone or the color or both. So when you're talking about it with the enos or the enus at the end, it's meaning relating to emeralds. But when it's smaragdus or smaragdos, then it's just talking about the gemstone. Gotcha. The ancient Greek word, is, we think, is probably borrowed from a Semitic language. We don't know which ah. one. We're not entirely sure. Uh, the candidates are Hebrew, and this is going to be me... Really botching a lot of pronunciations, so get ready for All these. Right. Go the, for it. The Hebrew word bareket, mm, okay. meaning emerald or flashing gem. The Akkadian word baraka, meaning scintillation. Ooh. Or the Arabic word barak, which can mean lightning or flashing <laughs> or shining or dazzling. Oh, I like that. It can be flashing. Flashing, yeah. Which is, I guess, like if the gem is like reflecting in the light. You'd get right. Like so so those words meant those things. I, I think that emerald, like the smaragdus, was named after that because of that, you know, because of that kind of quality that it had, not necessarily because of the color of it. Right. 
I, there's a couple of other loan words that are like loaned from Semitic words that it could be the Sanskrit word marakata, the Persian word zomarod, which I like because it sounds like smarag, smaragd. Zomarod. Yeah, and yeah. the old Armenian Zamrukt. Zamrukt. Which is wow. spelled Z-M-R-U-X-T, which is fun. I mean, these are all great words. I know. Aren't they fun? Well, we don't know like the meaning of some of them, and they're really, really old. Like It gets really, sure. really hairy from there on. But the word is old in English, too. So one of the oldest references that I found was in Wycliffe's Bible. Which was a what? set of how do you, how do you spell Wycliffe's Wycliffe W Y C L I F F E Wycliffe 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 yeah. Wycliffe <laughs> Come on, <laughs> a Bible of all things. <laughs> um, so it's a set of mid- Middle English translations that were made under the direction of this philosopher named John Wycliffe between the years of 1382 and 1395. So the quote in this Bible is. Uh, and he that sat was like the sight of a stone jaspis and to sardine, and the rainbow was an compass of the seat like to the sight of smaragdin. <laughs> I don't know what any of that means, really. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's crazy because smaragdin just doesn't sound like a real word in yeah. the context of a sentence. But also there were a lot of words in there that didn't sound good <laughs> yeah, in context. It's just got sardine in there. Maybe it's about <laughs> fish. Who knows? It's that guy, was, Wycliffe, was yeah. babbling. It's <laughs> like, hey, we got some fish here and also a marbaboo. A marbaboo? <laughs> uh, sorry? John, you got you got to make some sense here. No one's going to even understand this. This is my Bible. I'll do what I want with it. <laughs> Emily, you might be asking, how? why do we use emerald today and not smaragd? If oh, the word on. was originally smaragd, yeah. Kyle, why are we using the word emerald today and not smaragd? Oh, Emma. Emily, I don't I don't have that prepared. Oh my god, why would you ask me that? Oh no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Of course I do. So, before the English grabbed their word from the Latin's maragdus, the French grabbed theirs from variants of that word in vulgar Latin. And the variants ah. were smaraldus and smaraudus. I can hear it inching closer. Mm, inching closer. So, the French language when they were grabbing words from other languages, they tended to add E's to the beginning of Latin words that began with S. Okay. Yeah. So so when a language adds a sound to the beginning of a word, it's called prothesis. With a TH, prothesis? Prothesis, correct. Okay. That's opposed to appenthesis, which is a language adding a sound to the end of a word. Oh. And when a language is adding a vowel to a word, that's called anaptixis, as opposed anaptixis. to when Yeah, as opposed to when they're adding a consonant, which is called excrescence, which is really just oh. a vile term for this <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> phonology term. They were doing real hot and yeah. then <laughs> So the the process that happened here is called prothetic anaptixis because they added a vowel to the beginning of the word and french did this a lot wow. so so like we've got the latin specialis became the french especial and that's how we got mm-hmm. the word especial like especially sure. the other example i have here is uh, the latin sponsare became the french espouse which became espouse for us stuff like oh, yeah, that oh yeah yeah so the French took Zmaraudus and they made it Esmeralde. Ooh. Esmeralde. Sounds so fancy. Yeah. And then eventually 
through time, they dropped the S and it became emerald. And Middle English took that word and kept it as emerald, and it eventually had transitioned to emerald, but used it with smaragd. So they used those words interchangeably. Sure, because they were like, they were like, this is our word, but that other one was still fun. <laughs> Listen, we'll just say whatever we want. I mean, we're making it up as we go anyway. It's not like anyone's writing this down. Yeah. So they used them interchangeably a lot. And it was, it's interesting because like I'm looking through these, you know, notes about gemstones and they're like, oh, the emerald's green, but the smaragd is also green. And... <laughs> They're very alike. And it's like, mm, no, they're the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and they are. We know now that like when people are talking about those two different gemstones, in reality, they are the same thing. Right. Yeah. You know, medieval science, it's a weird thing. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, we should, because medieval science is barely science. <laughs> it is literally barely science so a big thing with smaragds as with many other gemstones is that they were thought to hold special powers what kind of powers do you think the smaragd had emily Uh, i mean now i just keep thinking it's a dragon from lord of the rings so i feel like it can breathe fire (laughs) the gemstone itself can breathe fire yeah yeah you just like hold it you point it at your enemy and flames shoot out yeah 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 yeah. um (laughs) Yeah, uh, no. No, 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 that's not true. I'm sorry, Emily. I have a quote here from a 1635 book by a man named John Swan. John Swan. John Swan. John Swan. Is that a YouTuber? (laughs) Yeah, John Swan. Rating my smarags one to (laughs) ten. One to ten. (laughs) You'll never believe what happens to this smaragd. (laughs) Just a face on a smaragd. So the book is called... Speculum Mundi, or a glass representing the face of the world showing both that it did begin and must also end. Oh, I thought you meant that's what that translated to. And I was like, wow, they fit a lot into two words. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that is Latin is kind of incredible. (laughs) So the the face of the world's Revealing what? The face, a glass representing the face of the world showing both that it did begin and must also end. It's scary. It's it's very scary. Like I I just read (laughs) a Speculum Mundi at first and then I went back and I was like, what is that full title? And I was like, oh, this is about the apocalypse. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But in the book, he talks about really mundane things. So he talks about the gems, the smaragd. One of the alternate versions was smarage. Do they switch the D and the G? So here it's So I was right. Yeah. Yes. Marriage. Yeah. Wow. You really were, Emily. That's perfect. So he says the sma- the smarage is of a green transparent color making the air green near about it. The quality of this stone in physic is much like the former, which was sapphires, or of more virtue, for it is said to defend the wearer from the falling sickness. And so greatly doth it favor chastity that if it be worn whilst the man and the woman accompany themselves together, it breaketh in the very act. (laughs) Do you know what the falling sickness is? I do, Emily. Falling sickness is epilepsy. Oh, sure. Which is, that makes sense. Yeah, I guess you could get there eventually if you had to workshop it. Yeah. <laughs> Another quality of the smaragd is discussed in English cleric Edward Topsell's 1608 bestiary, 
The History of Serpents. Edward Topsell. Isn't that a good name for anybody? (laughs) (laughs) So that book, The History of Serpents, was combined with another of his bestiaries, The History of Four-Footed Beasts, and was reprinted in 1658 with these elaborate woodcuts of varying accuracy of animals. (laughs) Um, So I would love... I I think we're going to share one of those on the Insta because it is... mm, Chef's kiss. Just beautiful stuff. (laughs) Yeah, but in his uh, History of the Serpents, he says... It is also said that if a viper do behold a good smarriage, her eyes will melt and fall out of her head. Oh. Yeah. So... Wow. Not good for vipers. But is it like the viper loves the smell? It's like a like a Looney Tunes thing, like like the eyes turn into emeralds <laughs> and then fall out. Like, yeah, it's like a like, like a. It's really greedy. It like, wants the emerald. <laughs> yeah, Emily. While we're talking about four footed beasts, I'd be remiss not to mention this passage from a 15th century poem. It, the poem's attributed to. James the First of Scotland, the king. Oh. And it's called the Kingus Choir. Choir <gasps> as in a book choir. <laughs> Q-U-I-R-E. Yeah, it's actually spelled Q-U-A-I-R because it's old, oh. ye old English, but... That was one of the other spellings. Yeah. And it's a long poem and it's very Good. strange. But here's, <laughs> here's one of the stanzas. The Lion King and his fair lioness... The panther, like unto the smaragdine, the little squirrel full of busyness, the slow ass, the drugger beast of pine, the nice ape, the wearly porpopine, the piercing lynx, the lover unicorn, that voidous venom with his everhorn. So, uh, wow. James I of Scotland called porcupines porpopines. Porpopine. Porpopine. <laughs> Oh, God, if I could do a Scottish accent, I'd do a James the First impression. (laughs) I, uh, nope, I can't get it. I was going to come out as a pirate. (laughs) So medieval bestiaries often described panthers as emerald or multicolored. I don't know why. Emerald or multicolored? Yeah, so they'll either be described as emerald colored or multicolored. Okay. And James I drew on that Bible quote I mentioned earlier, where it talked about the the rainbow around God's throne being smaragdin in sight. And it seems that this poem makes an intentional comparison between panthers and emeralds, both being associated with offering comfort and healing to mankind, which is not something I've ever thought of panthers being, but I guess they did in the Middle Ages. Uh, sure, why not? <laughs> oh, the comfort I guess, of a panther in my home. You know, Bagheera was pretty comforting. <laughs> That's not a real panther, though, Emily. What are you talking about? That was a documentary. That was a documentary, but there weren't any wearily porpopines in that film. <laughs> so... This brings us back to the origins of Smaragdon, which we talked about earlier, Emily, how the the root often referred more to like the dazzling shining quality of it than like the color itself. The word Smaragdon has been used often historically to describe water, which is interesting. Yeah, which is why when you said the Smaragdon city earlier, I was like, what is she referencing? Because I thought maybe you're talking (laughs) about like Atlantis. And I was like, wow, that's she's really on the nose there. Oh, there's a lot of interest uh, instances of sci-fi novels in the late 20th century using Smaragdon to talk sure. about waters, which is like fun. It's a good, 
good sci-fi word. Yeah. For sure. But the example that I have here is from a Union soldier, John McElroy, of his <laughs> recollection of the time that he spent in a Confederate prison, the Andersonville prison in Georgia. So it's he he wrote this book called Andersonville in 1879 and it's like about his like being like his extended stay in the prison like his life during the war mm -hmm. and at this point he's traveling by sea and he says this the milk punch the onions the bread and the meat and coffee tired of fighting it out in the narrow quarters where I had stowed them, had started upwards tumultuously. I turned uh -oh. my head again to the sea, and looking down into its smaragdon depths, let go of the victualistic store which I had been industriously accumulating ever since I had come through the lines. <laughs> and it's just such a great way to talk about blowing chunks. <laughs> let go of the uh. victualistic store. <laughs> All right, Emily, I have one more dazzling example for you. Oh, I'm so excited. Are you excited? I'm mostly excited because I know after this we're going to play a game. We are going to play a game. <laughs> Emily, to prepare you for this, I have to ask you one question. Ooh. Emily, what do you know about the hermetic tradition? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've been asked this question before. Oh, perhaps. And I feel like at the time, my answer was not a diggity darn thing. No, I dig it. But you know more now, right? I You've think so. You've got some context. It has to do with alchemy, does it Alchemy. Not? That is correct, Emily. Oh, thank goodness. You're going to hear a lot of familiar terms in a second. Oh. So to cap this episode off, Emily, yeah. there is an ancient text that is referred to as the Emerald Tablet. Oh. Its other names are the Smaragdin Tablet mm -hmm. or the Tabula Smaragdina. Sure. And it is often attributed to the popular amongst a certain group, Hermes Trismegistus. Hermes Trismegistus. Yeah. You remember that's, Hermes? Oh, that's also something you'd say when drunk. <laughs> Hermes Trismegistus. Tris I've Tris got a... You better watch out. I got a whirly porcupine at home. He's going to come for you. <laughs> he's, a good boy. he's a good boy, my porcupine. I love him so much. I'm Hermes. Thanks for coming to my open mic. Uh, no, I, should I Should I remember this name? So, I don't so, quite. So Hermes is the Hermes of Hermeticism. Aha. Uh -huh. The kind of pseudo-legendary figure that is kind of revered for instilling all of this knowledge sure. of his ancient knowledge. So the oldest known source of this text, oh gosh, uh, this is oh, going to no. be me butchering another pronunciation, but it's in an oh, encyclopedia good. written in Arabic that's called Siral Halikawa Senatal Tabia. That's the best you're going to get from me. And in English, All that right. translates to The Secret of Creation and the Art of Nature. Oh. It was compiled between the years 15 and 100 AD, so it's real, real old. But a big time span there. A big, yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, they weren't keeping track of the days back then, you know? <laughs> they didn't have those daily planners saying, oh, yeah. this is what I'll do today. In it, the narrator states, he discovered the text in a vault below a statue of Hermes in Tyana, and that inside the vault, an old corpse on a golden throne oh. held the emerald tablet. I mean, this is 
a great mythos here. I, I don't know. know if it's real, but I'm going to put it in my next D&D game. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> For it is sure. Like super it's it's very Goonies. Yeah, absolutely it is. I don't know which inspired the other, but <laughs> <laughs> You think this guy saw the Goonies first? <laughs> like, um, I know what I'm going to do about my tablet situation yeah. now. And then they have to play the piano to get through <laughs> or else the floor is going to fall away. So funny. And then a guy's going to come out and yell, hi, everybody, or something like that. Oh, um, God. So... So, Emily, the text is extremely short. It's like 12 or 13 sentences. Wow. Um, Yeah, but it became extremely well known amongst trismegists, which are followers of Hermes. Yeah, absolutely. They are trismegists. Because it was believed that it held alchemical secrets, namely the secrets of the one thing, which alchemists believed to be the philosopher's stone. Oh. Cue the Harry Potter music. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like like a cure-all. Well, not like a cure-all. So the Philosopher's Stone was like, oh, this is how we can turn stuff into gold. Okay, so like turning turning wood to gold or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Le- I don't know, wine to gold, whatever to gold. it is. I don't know. <laughs> wine. Those, yeah. Wine people were crazy. Back into water for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) So this is a name you may remember. It was a certain Johannes Trithemius. He offered a different perspective on the emerald tablet where it said, uh, you know, the one thing. He says that the one thing is actually a metaphysical meaning and means not the philosopher's stone, but the anima mundi, or the world soul. Oh, like the soul of the world, the earth, Gaia? Yeah, the alchemists believed that, like, yeah, that, like, everything was one, man. Oh, yeah. Play yeah. play just hippie music. <laughs> Emily, you know, if only we had a knowledgeable source who could help us understand the words of Hermes and Trithemius, you know, if only there was somebody who maybe that we know personally. Well, I mean, I can think of one guy, but I also seem to recall that he deliberately wrote in a way that was unintelligible. Oh, Oh, Emily, are you talking about the man that we spoke about in our Logomachy episode, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. I can almost oh. remember his name, but I can't. Heinrich Cornelius Agrippa von Nedesheim. That's right. Sexy Agrippa. Sexy Agrippa. Which bon, is a sound bon, file bon. that we had to look at it for is. weeks. <laughs> Truly. Truly. <laughs> for any of you at home who are, may be unfamiliar with this, it may be all of you. You should uh, go you back and uh, listen to it. <laughs> yes, I do not have the time to fill you in, but please go back, listen to our Logomachy episode. It was um, my uh, opus, my magnum opus. <laughs> but in Agrippa's Three Books of Occult Philosophy, Emily, yeah. as he's considering what saith Hermes in yeah. his Smaragdon tablet, he describes the elemental earth and the heavens as one, as thus. 
Now the basis and foundation of all the elements is the earth, for that is the object, subject, and receptacle of all celestial rays and influences. It being made fruitful by the other elements and the heavens, brings forth all things of itself, it receives the abundance of all things, and is, as it were, the first fountain from whence all things spring. It is the center, foundation, and mother of all things. It is the first matter of our creation and the truest medicine that can restore and preserve us. And that is Anima Mundi, the Smaragdan Tablet. Yeah, but it's like that is the cure-all. Yeah, it's like the soul is the cure-all, Emily. Yeah. Man. Yeah, man. <laughs> Name's just all a grippy. We we're, just gotta connect to Mother Earth. Solve all your troubles. <laughs> troubles? They're gonna be floating on a Smaragdan Sea, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Okay, Emily. All right. You ready to play a little game? I am so ready to play a game. Let's okay. get this train back on its tracks here. Emily, the game is called You're an Emerald, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, the game You're an Emerald, Harry uh, is played thusly. I'm going to give you some of the other stones that John Swan talked about in his Speculum Mundi. Oh. And you're going to have to guess the powers that he ascribed what to them. What they do. That's so fun. Yep. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad you like it. So your first stone is adamant. He, he says of adamant, he, he calls it the hardest of all stones, but notwithstanding, it is softened with what? Oh, it is softened with Water. That was your best guess. <laughs> well, I to put tell it in truth, water and it melts away. To tell the truth, my first thought was love. Oh, <laughs> that's beautiful, Emily. Oh, thanks. Oh, Emily, really wrong. <laughs> you ready to learn what it? So adamant is what they called in Middle English diamonds. Okay. And John Swan believed that diamonds, notwithstanding, are softened with. Goat's blood being Ooh. warm soon after she hath eaten parsley or drunken wine. Oh, okay. I, I, I mean, it's just true nowadays, right? Sure. I mean, I keep a bottle of drunk goat's blood right on my, right on <laughs> just my desk. Just in case I gotta soften some diamonds. Just up. in case someone comes in with an adamantine weapon. Yeah, Emily, your next gem is Acades. Ooh. About Achates, it is said that eagles lay it in their nests to do <gasps> what? <laughs> to hatch more eagles? <laughs> to hatch more. <laughs> They're yeah, just the fertility eggs. charm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're just eggs. <gasps> just oh my god. Gemstone eggs. But Egg they Cadiz. but they hatch they hatch like like Pokemon eagles that are made of crystal. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Honestly, again, majestic. <laughs> But very wrong. So Achates is the Middle English word for agate, which is what we call it nowadays. Got it. Um, and John Swan said that eagles laid in their nests to preserve their young from poison. Oh. He says that Pliny also affirms that it is good against poison and stinging of scorpions and is supposed to procure eloquence and make men wise and fair spoken. Oh, does it make eagles wise and fair spoken too? <laughs> yeah. Uh, your next one is dendritus. 
Ooh. He says, Dendritus is a white precious stone, which being put under a tree, does what? I mean, when I initially heard it, it sounded to me like a toothpaste. So I think it cleans <laughs> the tree. Uh, that's interesting. It does sound like, like a toothpaste brand. Yes. So dendritus doesn't directly correlate to any known gemstone we have today. Um, it's probably was just any gemstone that had like a, a branching pattern inside of it. Mm. He says dendritus is a white precious stone, which being put under a tree, keepeth the axe that cutteth it from dulling. So I oh. guess it's kind of like a toothpaste for the axe, Emily. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, Emily, your next gemstone is yeah. Androdamas. Ooh. Swan says, Androdamas is a stone hard and heavy, bright like silver and in form like diverse little squares. It putteth away rage of what? It putteth away rage of the stomach. It's like Pepto-Bismol. Emily, that's a wrong answer, but like a really clever one and like something that makes a lot of sense. Well, because I was thinking of the, the what is the mineral that's in Pepto-Bismol? Oh, it's bismuth in its crystalline form is like squares. So that's why. I oh, that. bismuth. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Pepto-bismol. We've been eating bismuth. Oh, bismol. That makes so much sense. Yes. That's where the bismol comes from. Uh, well, n- no, I wish we had a potion for this, but it putteth away rage of lechery. Oh. <laughs> so lust. Wow. And as the magicians think, saith Pliny, it stoppeth the force of fury and anger. So it's good for both of those. So it's just a just regular rage as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Emily, you ready for your last gemstone? One more? Yeah, one more. All right. Hit me. Galactides. <laughs> Galactides is just what they call underwear in space. Galactidy whities <laughs> Swan says Galactides is of an ash color. It seemeth to sweat out a kind of what? Oh, it sweats yeah. out a kind of wine. <laughs> Honestly, Emily, it's pretty close. So he says, Galactides is of an ash color. It seemeth to sweat out a kind of liquor like unto milk. (gasps) Oh, milk isn't a liquor, though. (laughs) Yeah, I guess he meant liquid, but I guess maybe they got drunk on milk back then. It was unpasteurized. (laughs) That's fair. And then he says, Pliny saith it increaseth milk in nurses and keeps the mouth of the child moist if it be hanged about the neck. I just don't know why we want to keep kids' mouths moist. It's like when you want a dog's nose to be wet. That means they're they're all good. (laughs) Majestic, Emily. (laughs) That's that's the word for me today. (laughs) The word for Emily is majestic today. And the word for this episode was smaragdin. Wow. Way to wrap it all up. It's all wrapped up neatly. Oh, guys, you can find us just all over the internet. We are on Facebook at butter no parsnips we are on instagram at butter no parsnips podcast and if you liked today's episode which i hope you did consider giving us a five-star rating or review us wherever you are listening to us now and if you really liked us we are also on patreon at patreon.com slash butter no parsnips you can consider donating to us there get early access to episodes and access to our exclusive patreon podcast I was going to say what we're doing this month, but I don't know what we're doing this month. So <laughs> You'll have to come find out. I've been Kyle Imperator. I've been Emily Moyers. And Th- signing this off. This has been Butter No Parsnips. <laughs> signing off. Bye. Signing off. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to Butter No Parsnips. Butter No Parsnips is produced by Seth Glicksman, Emily Moyers, and Kyle Imperator. The theme music and additional music is by Kyle Imperator. If you liked listening to this episode, subscribe and give us a good rating and or positive review wherever you heard it. If you really liked listening, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. There you can get bonus content you can't get anywhere else, like the monthly Patreon-exclusive podcast Buttered Parsnips. Your support means the world to us and encourages us to keep making more. Thanks in advance, and we'll be back next week.